A weekend shooting at a Houston megachurch is leaving the community shaken. What we know so far about what happened at Lakewood Church this Sunday. And a cool breezy day leads into a cold night tonight. How cold it gets where you live coming up in first warning weather. And President Biden meets with the King of Jordan, hoping to broker a pause in the fighting. We have the latest on the war in Gaza. The shooter who opened fire in Houston's Lakewood Church yesterday has a history of criminal charges, mental illness, and anti-Semitic writings, investigators say. Good evening to you. I'm Jennifer Sanders filling in for Britt Marino this and afternoon. I'm, I'm Daniel Marine. We're learning more about the attack on worshipers that left one man and left the shooter's seven-year-old child seriously wounded. Our Ryan Chandler joins us live from the scene in Houston. Ryan. Well, Jen Daniel, good evening. We know that the shooter was only inside this church for about 12 minutes, but she carried with her a history dating back nearly two decades of criminal charges, mental illness, and anti-Semitic views. Police say those problems may have prompted this attack. Sunday praise turned to horror in Houston. Boom, 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 boom. And I yell, Mom! A child fighting for life after their mother opened fire. The suspect identified as 36-year-old Genesee Yvonne Moreno of Conroe, shot and killed by off-duty officers. They were a wall that existed between worshipers and terror. But before her rampage, a record of red flags. At least six arrests for charges including unlawful possession of a weapon and assault on a public servant. She was put under an emergency detention order in 2016, and her struggles with mental illness were well documented. Investigators then found anti-Semitic writings. They also say she had disputes with Jewish family members. Some of those individuals are of uh, are Jewish. So we believe that that is might might possibly be where all of this stems from. Police pushing the public to be vigilant and speak up to stop future threats. We all need to continue to work together. Uh, neighbors, family members, getting that information up uh, to us in a timely manner where we can be proactive and preventing. Still many questions remain in this case, including how she was able to obtain and possess the weapons she used. We do know that she purchased the AR-15 used in this attack in December legally. In Houston, I'm Ryan Chandler. Chen, Daniel. All right, Ryan, live for us. Thank you very much. And going in depth, there have been a few shootings at houses of worship here in Texas. The deadliest in recent history was in 2017 when a shooter killed 26 people and wounded 20 more at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs. In the first regular legislative session after that, Texas lawmakers in 2019 clarified state law to allow the carrying of weapons in houses of worship unless specifically banned by a congregation with written or oral notice. Now, Texas law does not require churches to provide armed security, although they are allowed to have volunteer security teams or hire security from law enforcement or licensed guards. And this just into our newsroom. UT police are currently looking for the person who assaulted a UT student around 2 this afternoon on the drag. So he's described as being white or Hispanic, around 40 years old with medium curly black hair and a mustache. Officials say he was seen wearing a brown jacket and black pants. So if you witness an assault or you had any interaction with this person, UTPD is asking that you call APD. 
first warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, behind that weekend cold front today, we recorded only our second cooler than normal day so far this month. Every red box was a warmer than normal day. Today, though, the high temperature only 62, fueled by gusty north winds, even under bright sunshine. Today, bright sunshine continues at 5 o'clock this evening. 60 degrees right now under a very pleasant sky on the Lorenz and Lorenz 360 cam. Gusty winds knocked over some of our trash cans this morning, but they're starting to subside northwest at 5 to 15 miles per hour. Some slightly higher gusts, but those will decline as well. Coming up, we've got a cold night tonight. I'll show you who may drop to freezing, a change in the forecast for Valentine's Day, and how we're shaping up for the Austin Marathon this weekend. All right, David, thank you. President Joe Biden will travel to Ohio one year after a Norfolk Southern train derailment caused an environmental disaster. According to the White House, the president is making the visit in order to hold the company accountable. That 2023 derailment spilled toxic chemicals that ended up igniting. Thousands of families in the area had to flee their homes and families are still worried about those possible long-term health effects. Now, the president has been repeatedly asked about his plans to visit the community in the wake of the disaster, with many residents saying they feel forgotten by the president. Well, meanwhile, former President Donald Trump is in Florida for a hearing in his classified documents case. A pro-Trump crowd gathered outside the courthouse this morning. The court, the closed hearing, is covering protective orders related to classified information. The former president is accused of taking hundreds of classified government documents with him when he left the White House. Trump and the other defendants have pleaded not guilty in the case, which is one of four criminal cases facing the former president and current GOP presidential frontrunner. Pretty much there, that's how a senior Biden administration official describes a plan to release hostages held by Hamas and to get more aid into Gaza. And this afternoon, President Biden welcomes the King of Jordan as he works to get Israel's prime minister to change his military tactics in Gaza. NBC's Drew Petromo reports. President Biden welcoming King Abdullah of Jordan to Washington on Monday. The two allies working to broker a pause in fighting between Israel and Hamas that also returns Israeli hostages currently being held in Gaza. To help the effort, President Biden dispatching CIA Director Bill Burns to Egypt on Tuesday. And this meeting will help further strengthen uh, our enduring bilateral relationship. We'll also discuss increasing humanitarian assistance into Gaza and a vision for a durable peace uh, to include uh, the viability of a two-state solution with Israel's security guaranteed. The meeting comes as Israel expands its offensive from the north into southern Gaza. The Israeli Defense Force says it rescued two hostages, aged 60 and 70, who were being held in the city of Rafah. The IDF says this video shows the two men being reunited with their families. But airstrikes during the operation left 67 Palestinians dead, including children, according to the Gaza Health Ministry. And with Israel threatening a ground invasion of Rafah, there are worries the death toll will rise. More than 1.4 million Palestinians have been told to go to Rafah because it was deemed safe. Many Gazans have been displaced multiple times throughout the conflict. Where do we go with four people, this woman says. We don't know if we should leave or stay. The Gaza Health Ministry says over 28,000 people have been killed since the beginning of the war. With no end in sight, global leaders, including President Biden, are growing increasingly frustrated with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Despite the criticism, the Biden administration pushing continued financial support for Israel, backing a bill being debated in Congress that includes $14 billion in additional aid for the country. Drew Petromo, NBC News, Washington.
And the framework for the deal currently being negotiated would include a six-week pause in fighting, the exchange of Israeli hostages for Palestinian prisoners, and a plan for humanitarian assistance to reach Gaza. Travis and Bear County judges met with Union Pacific Railroad reps in D.C. today brainstorming ideas for expanding freight and passenger rail service right here in Central Texas. And today, Travis County Judge Andy Brown talked with Union Pacific about rail service, not just between the two cities, but stretching into South Texas and Mexico. Leaders from San Antonio and Austin have been pushing for better rail service between the two cities in recent months. Today, state leaders celebrated a new partnership between the Texas Department of Public Safety and the Texas General Land Office, which allows troopers to work on Fronton Island. Now that is a stretch of land in the Rio Grande that we told you about last week. The state recently seized operational control of it. Now, according to the Texas Military Department, the island in Starr County was, quote, lawless and was associated with high cartel activity and smuggling operations. State officials say their control significantly helped reduce crime in the area. Don Buckingham, the Texas Land Commissioner and a Republican, said her office took action because the federal government won't. As long as the federal government in that faraway capital continues to fail their citizens, rest assured that Texas will use every tool at our disposal to keep your family safe. The 170-acre island used to be considered part of Mexico up until a 1970 boundary agreement. Well, the Austin Marathon is less than a week away. How many people organizers are expected to take part this year? And there's a party brewing before the Kansas City Chiefs. What their head coach had to say about one of the only Super Bowl games to ever go into overtime. Plus, billionaire Elon Musk being ordered to testify what the SEC wants to know about how he bought Twitter. Well, on the eve of the Austin Marathon, a loss in the running world. World Marathon record holder Calvin Kiptum and his coach were killed in a traffic accident in Kenya yesterday. Now, police say Kiptum was driving his coach and a woman near a village when the 24-year-old Kenyan lost control, went off the road and hit a tree. Kiptum and the coach died at the scene. The woman suffered serious injuries. Kiptum is being remembered by many today, including the director of the Chicago Marathon. He just a, a magnificent athlete. Um, I've had the honor and privilege of being the race director of the Bank of America Chicago Marathon and worked with so many wonderful athletes. And he was, in my opinion, the most talented that uh, that I've I've come across. He was he was just an amazing, amazing young man. And as as magnificent an athlete, he was a magnificent person. And Kiptum set the world record at the Chicago Marathon back in October with a time of 2 hours and 35 seconds. That beat the previous record set in 2022. Well, the Austin Marathon is just days away and organizers are expecting to welcome more than 19,000 people Sunday morning. And while the event dates back to 1992, KXN traced the history of the past winners and winning times to the year 2000. And based on those available records, Mohamed Nazipov ran the fastest marathon time among male competitors. Back in 2001, he completed the race in 2 hours, 11 minutes, 14 seconds. Meanwhile, 2004's female victor Tatiana Borisova won with a time of 2 hours, 30 minutes, 39 seconds. For a full list of the fastest competitors, check out Kelsey Thompson's story over at KXAN.com. A federal judge has ordered Elon Musk to testify in the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission's probe concerning his 2022 acquisition of Twitter. The organization is investigating whether Musk or anyone else committed securities fraud as the billionaire began buying stock in the social media platform. Now, the commission is seeking his testimony on whether he followed the law
law when filling out required paperwork about Twitter stock purchases, as well as whether his statements about buying the platform were accurate. His legal team argues that the investigation was frivolous, also saying the demand for testimony again in the face of an investigation arising from a late clerical filing was troubling government action. Well, if you took the day off after a long night watching the Super Bowl, you're not the only one. How many people caught a bad case of Super Bowl flu and the push in some parts to make it a holiday? Well, we enjoyed some nice rain over Super Bowl weekend as well. As we always tell you, El Nino winters typically wetter than an average winter. This one, though, cashed in even more. 9.48 inches so far, our 29th winter, wettest winter out of about 125 in the books. And we've got more chances of rain coming next. A remarkable wilderness rescue today as Austin Travis County EMS airlifted someone with potentially serious injuries from the Pennybacker Bridge Overlook. So according to EMS, someone ended up 40 feet below the edge of the cliff. And you can see the people dangling from the bottom of the Travis County Starflight helicopter. The person who fell is now heading to Del Seton Medical Center to receive treatment. Now these videos came to us from emails sent to reported at kxan.com. You can use that email address to send videos like this one, the news tips or anything you'd like us to investigate. Kansas City is making plans for a big party. This after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl Sunday with a 25 to 22 score against the San Francisco 49ers. So it was a nail-biter game that went into overtime and only the second game in Super Bowl history to go into overtime. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid said that it was one heck of a match. And it was a good clash um, and presented the world really a, a heck of a football game. And they got an extra quarter of it, which is even a more beautiful thing. And if someone wins, of course, that means that someone has to lose. Fans of the San Francisco 49ers weren't all that pleased with how the game turned out. So close yet again, and we played our hard side. We played our backs out. Well, the Chiefs also won last year's Super Bowl and, of course, the 2020 match. But before that, the Chiefs hadn't won a Super Bowl game since 1970. And if you called in sick today after watching the big game, don't worry, we won't tell anyone because you're not the only one. It was predicted that around 16 million people would call in on this Super Bowl Monday. Now, there is a push to make it a national holiday since so many workers and students seem to catch um, a Super Bowl flu <laughs> every year. Now, last year, two Tennessee lawmakers actually proposed a bill to replace Columbus Day with a new holiday the Monday after the Super Bowl. Some of last night's attendees had already figured out their plan for avoiding work. Oh, I already called in sick. I am not going to work, calling in sick, saying sore throat is all from screaming. <laughs> they know they're on camera, right? <laughs> well, on the business end of things, though, in recent years, economic losses from absenteeism and distraction at work around the U.S. estimated a total of about $6 billion. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, gorgeous winter weather today to enjoy a day off if you earned it yesterday. Here we are out in the vineyards of Fredericksburg. The Barrens Creek Vineyards Cam, always on KXAN.com. It is beautiful, but it is chilly. Sunny skies, only 56 out in Gillespie County and in Blanco. 59 right now in Austin after highs only reached the lower 60s. We had a tornado warning out in Fayette County yesterday morning. The storm system that caused it, though, way out in the deep south. Gusty north winds behind it. 
it transporting cool and dry air in here. That's going to keep the weather really lovely overnight and again tomorrow. But here's your first look at the next little weather maker. It's a small, discrete storm system here in the Pacific Northwest, but it will change how it looks and feels on Valentine's Day. In the immediate future, though, it's just a cold, clear night tonight. Here are your forecast temperatures as winds die down and after the sun goes down, temperatures bottom out pretty quickly. Upper 30s by morning in Austin and not reflected as well as I'd like here. Some of our colder suburbs and certainly some communities in the hill country and east of I-35 could get close to freezing in the morning, but nobody will be below 32 degrees for a long period of time, so I'm not too worried about freeze preparations tonight. After a beautiful sunny day tomorrow, that next storm moves into our area Wednesday. Now, it's just a glancing blow, but it will mean increasing clouds by midday Valentine's Day and kind of a gray afternoon and evening. A couple sprinkles are possible during your Valentine's Day dinner plans. Keep that in mind if you're planning a picnic, gentlemen. Uh, but this is only a 10% chance of rain, so I'm not too worried about it. Please check back tomorrow, though, for updates just in case. After that, clouds and a couple sprinkles linger on Thursday, but a separate uh, uh, series of storm systems will influence our weather Friday. A disturbance coming in from the south and a cold front from the north kind of collide in our area at the end of the week. This doesn't look like a severe weather maker as of now, but a few showers are more likely on Friday. Then behind this system, it's colder and it is windy as we kick off Marathon Weekend Saturday. Rain coverage, Valentine's Day and Thursday, very small, only a 10% shot. Uh, slightly more widespread showers on Friday. But as it looks right now, the rain is out of here Saturday and Sunday, so not worried about rain for the marathon Sunday morning. And between now and then, we're not expecting too much. A couple hundredths of an inch for most, a tenth to a quarter of an inch currently projected in the metro area. So tonight, cold 38 degrees with calm winds and a rural freeze possible. Tomorrow afternoon, a little warmer. South winds return under sunny skies, highs in the upper 60s, and again on Wednesday. Mostly cloudy, couple sprinkles Wednesday and Thursday, a higher chance of a shower Friday. But look at this, Austin Marathon runners, I know it's cold and windy Saturday, but Sunday morning looks great. As of right now, we're thinking sunrise temperatures for the race in the mid-30s. The winds should have died down. The air will be nice and dry and the skies look sunny. The city of Austin is getting a million dollars to try and reduce pollution. What they're hoping to do with a brand new grant from the EPA. The city of Austin now has more money to help reduce pollution. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency gave the city $1 million in grant money this morning. So much of that money will be used to develop three city-run climate action plans. It's all in hopes of reducing emissions that cause climate change. Now, several local leaders talked about how hot it was in central Texas last summer, which emphasized the importance of starting steps now to reduce emissions in the Austin area. These three projects are aimed at bringing a benefit to the entire region, extending beyond just the Austin city limits into Hayes, Williamson, and Bastrop County. Well, coming up tonight on KXAN, we have the final acts taking the stage on America's Got Talent Fantasy League starting at 7 o'clock. Then at 9 o'clock, it's a new episode of The Irrational, and then you can join us back here for KXAN News at 10. And of course, you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 o'clock on the CW Austin. Here's where to find us.